0: Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. And Matt, I'm excited. Why would you be excited today, Matt? Oh, Matt, we got something special planned.
1: We got something very special going on today. This is something that I have been waiting forward to for a long time coming. Could it be because we have a guest? That is part, That is the icing on the cake. That is the cherry on the top. Who do we have today? We have the Educator Effectiveness Coordinator for the state of Maine. The whole state of Maine? The whole state, from Kittery to Callis, from Fort Kent to Freiburg.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not bad with your geography right there. Thank you very much. I pulled it out at the end. So who is it that we have? Emily Gribben. Yay! Welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We are going to talk today about everybody's favorite subject. P-E-P-G. Yes. So don't Educator sh- effectiveness,
1: teacher evaluations, if you are driving in your cars,
0: well, please just, stop. Just put it this way. If you haven't if you have shut off, off already, then you're probably going to listen to the next 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, however long this takes. I, I told her to block out three hours. Oh, well, <laughs> settle in. You can drive to Fort Kent, maybe, depending on where you are. Depending on how fast you're going. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so we're going to talk about three particular bills that came out last year uh, that were signed into law, and we're going to talk about some of the changes with PEPG with Emily.
2: Absolutely.
0: So we're going to start with LD345. An act to help
1: new teachers succeed was signed into law on May twentieth, two 2019. Now, this bill did a couple of things, Emily. It talked about, it. Changed, it updated some language in the contract, mm-hmm. so it said things like, um, the probationary teacher must be informed in writing if they're not going to be renewed by May 15th. Yep. Um, professional contract teachers uh, have a minimum of six months beforehand. That's really important, I think, because of the uh, the way that collective bargaining agreements might be set up, depending on their timing and how long is your um, growth plan. How long is your annual growth plan going to be?
2: Absolutely. And I think it's important to take into consideration the cycles for those as well, because not every district is on a cycle that ends in May, so that would be something worth noting.
1: Sure. Was there anything else to that bill that's worth noting?
2: I think the big piece is really that originally, um, right now at this time, probationary period for educators is three years, and this bill does change that to two years, not to exceed two years. I've had a lot of calls and questions about it, Um, that does not go into effect until hiring season for 2020 2021 so anyone who is hired in 2021 would then um, be under this two year rather than the three year
0: there's a lot of 20s going on that was a lot of 20s
2: let's try that again (laughs) right so
0: so if i'm hired this year
2: yes
1: which is 1920 i'm still under the three-year rule that's correct but if i get hired next year Mm -hmm. then it's only the two years
2: correct
0: that seems pretty straightforward. I think that's pretty clear.
2: I think it is. I think the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee really did a good job uh, making sure that there's time for districts to transition into this. If it had started this year, it would have been really difficult, and mm-hmm. so it's nice that there is one year to put all of those pieces in place.
0: Okay. So anything else with that bill that's really noticeable?
2: Those were the two major pieces really around um, the timeline of implementation and then the three to two years.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the next one then. Uh, It was LD1338, an act to protect teachers from unfair evaluations.
1: This was an interesting title. I like the title of this one. I love the title. An act to protect teachers from unfair... Yeah, let's protect teachers from unfair evaluations. Yeah.
0: Where where are these unfair
1: evaluations happening? That's what I want
0: to know. Well, if it's come up, they're happening somewhere. Probably happening somewhere. Mm -hmm.
1: So this one... Um, one of the major things that this, this one did is, if you remember back in the old days, when PEPG was just like a brand new baby rolling out, um, the superintendent must use an effectiveness rating to make informed strategic human capital decisions. One of the things that this bill did, bill did and correct me if I'm wrong, yep. is it changed the word must to may. Mm-hmm. So instead of we, you, a superintendent has to use effectiveness rating, well, you, you don't have to. You can use other factors. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. And those factors include bar not limited to tenure.
1: Okay. That's, from what I understand, that's pretty much all that. There were some other things that this bill started out doing, mm-hmm. but then it changed along the way.
2: Yes. Yeah, originally the bill, I would say, was a bit more prescribed. There were much more stipulations in terms of filing a grievance and those pieces. After multiple meetings with stakeholders, it was determined to keep it very similar to what the bill was originally and change that from the must to the may. Right. Yeah. So the only other thing I would mention in terms of the bill is it really talks about the conditions that districts really need to be doing and putting a good faith effort into in terms of implementation, carrying out the plan with fidelity, those pieces. So as steering committees are meeting, I think it's really important that they're doing right by the plan, but also taking the time to revise and refine as they see fit.
1: So you you just brought up something I have a question about uh, with revising and refining the plan. with these new bills and there was a bill last year that came out that added peer observation yeah. into everyone's plans um so everyone had to edit, edit edit plans that way and change things and um like our our my district where we work our initial plan for peer observation was one thing but we've updated it along the way mm-hmm. when we're updating our plans and revising our plans do we have to send that in to anybody do we have to like get it reapproved by a school board or by the doe or anything like that mm-hmm.
2: So originally, when the plans were submitted, they were approved, and then the stipulation is that any changes that happen, revising or refining, is done through that steering committee. So there is no okay. place where those plans need to be resubmitted to the state. That being said, a lot of districts like sending them to the state and like having another set of eyes. Um, many plans, and I'm not sure if your district does this or not, has it specifically written in whether or not the board needs to approve any updates. And so in some cases the board would approve it if it was written in their plan originally, but, but though many don't. And so as I've been talking to districts across the state, I've actually said it would be good to write into your plan your process for making revisions and how that happens because several changes have happened over the years.
0: Yeah. That's right. So to answer
2: your question um, and keep it simple, it really is a local process. and if you would like someone to look it over, I'd be happy to do it.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's the part I didn't know, actually, uh, was I thought it needed to be sent every single time you've made a revision, which is some, I know some districts are like hesitant to make any changes because it's already done, I've sent it in, I don't want to do it anymore.
2: Right. No, and so at this time, that is not something the department needs every time you make an update, Um, but I would say that many do go through their board either for approval or sort of that seal to make sure that the board is okay with what they're doing.
0: That makes sense. Yep.
2: That there's makes a lot sense. of sense,
0: yeah. All right, so uh, we left the good one till the end. Well, I, thought we were, I thought we were done. Well, no, we didn't oh. get it to our three hours yet. So those people <laughs> on their way to Fort Kent, Matt, still need stuff to listen to. <laughs>
2: we can drag this one out. <laughs> yeah, let's see. That, let's, that, let's that is Matt, Matt right
0: let's, there. Let's, let's get get the drag it out. A, I got a dictionary
1: in here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick a
0: random page. We'll start reading from the dictionary. All right, the last one we're going to talk about. Small uh, one. Emily's favorite one apparently is LD92 an act to amend ev- educator evaluation requirements. This was a big one. Mm-hmm. This one this one uh, was, was signed early in the session, April 11th. Yeah we talked about this one. Well, when we, we were when we were
1: old, still around. Yeah, we were around and this, this, this one was this one was a big deal. It did um, two or three
0: really major changes. Mm-hmm. So if um, this one's a big deal, Matt, why is it only two pages? Not like that 14-page one we talked about last pod. Which no, which we didn't read? That no, one? One. no, we may have skimmed it. We might have. Well, you may. skimmed it. May have skimmed <laughs> you it, You skimmed I said. it while we were talking. <laughs> to be specific, I may have skimmed it. And I still don't know what it is. <laughs> I
1: don't either. Um, th- why is it? Well, because I think for this particular one, short and to the, to the point. They really wanted to get to really what it was. So they changed the steering committee structure. Mm. This is the one where it talks about that it's got to be a majority of uh, teachers on the committee and the, the teachers have to be appointed by the local collective bargaining unit.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That went into effect now, correct?
2: What, effect, what am I missing about no, that? That's correct. So the effective date of that composition is 9 9 19. So at this time, yes.
0: It's in play. It is in
2: play. And so steering committees, in terms of what needs to happen, <coughs> is reviewing the composition that already exists and then uh, reaching out to the collective bargaining unit and making sure that the representation is adjusted accordingly.
1: So I know there's been some confusion. We're, we're going to yeah. we're gonna break this bill down into its different parts and talk about them each, and then we'll kind of get into all that. But there's been some confusion, I think, about um, this particular side, is that there's whole old committee now made up of just teachers can other teachers join in? What about administrators? Can administrators appoint people? How does that all fit into this?
2: Great question. And I've had several calls about this, Um, so um, it requires that a majority of the steering committee members are teachers and that they're chosen by the local represent representative of the collective bargaining unit if teachers are covered by that union unit. So to break it down, anyone teacher or administrator or ed tech can still serve on that steering committee, but the majority of teachers on that committee need to be appointed by the union. So a question came up, we have a teacher who's not part of the union. They can absolutely still serve on that committee, It's just that the majority of teachers need to be covered by or appointed by the union. Administrators can still serve just a percentage. So if there were eight administrators, there would have to be nine teachers appointed by the union.
1: Yeah, we we, we we ran into this last year as we were going down this road and we had like almost an, an equal number of administrators and teachers after even you know, all the appointments were made because oh. you know, it might be hard for a district to get people to go onto a committee even if you're appointed onto a committee. And, you know, are people pay, are people paying these committees? Some people some places don't. A right. lot of places don't because they've never they've never paid them. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden this is an interesting little dynamic too that the local collective unit has to appoint someone onto an unpaid committee after school. That's a very interesting little dynamic that's going to unravel, I think. But we came up with that same thing about equal number of um, administrators. What we did in our plan is said, basically, if we're in the room Mm -hmm. and we find that we have an equal number of administrators and teachers, then one administrator will recuse herself or himself from the voting to make sure that the teachers have the majority. They can still be part of the conversation, but we'll just step out of the. But we'll not be part of the voting.
0: That's interesting.
2: Yeah, I think it is interesting.
1: interesting. What, do, 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 I think that meets. It would. That meets the law.
0: That meets if they're the, not uh, a voting member. I think so. They're not. They're. They're. They're not casting a vote. If not, you're going straight to PEPG jail. Do not pass
1: go. Mm-mm. Do not collect two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. I want mean. my two dollars.
0: <laughs> nice. I think so off one question for you, Emily, that, yeah. that you just said. The teachers that need to be on the committee
2: mm-hmm.
0: need to be appointed by the union members.
2: Cho- chosen, I believe, is the language. Okay. Chosen by the local representative of the collective bargaining unit. But
0: they may not be actual union members. That's correct. But it, But that's okay.
2: The majority need to be chosen by.
0: Chosen by. Right, so it's really, it's really confusing. It's it, it, it can clear. be confusing, right? It can so, be confusing. So the local um, the local cool.
1: bargaining unit can choose five teachers. If, if, if there's four administrators, they choose five teachers. And of those five teachers, three could be union members and two could not be union. But the bargaining unit is choosing them. Right. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: That's what I'm thinking. That's what okay. I'm
0: thinking too. So the way I set this up. Uh, this is
2: so confusing
0: <laughs> I'm, I it, well it is it is confusing but here's the way that, that we handle it so I'm in a new district mm-hmm. and I got a list of names of the steering committee that took place a year or two ago whenever they whenever they met uh, the majority was already teachers yeah it was like nine people so that's five teachers four admin yeah and I sent the list to the union people saying are you okay with these people on it do they do they fit and they said yeah we're okay with all of them. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, that part of the law is now checked off for, for my particular district. They said, yes, we're good with that. We don't want it. They know what the, the rules are.
2: They know the people on the committee are invested. Yep. And I, I
0: honestly have no idea if they're union members or not, but I don't really care. Right? That's not my role to care. It's like I've got teachers on the committee, period. Period. That are okay with the union, so they're okay by me.
2: Yeah. I'm re-looking at the rule I wanted to make sure the law was mm-hmm. there, so... It's in Section 520A, 13704, subsection 5D. Speaking Um, my language. We
0: love (laughs) subsection talk here. (laughs)
2: Um, And so it does say a majority of the steering committee members must be teachers, part one, and must be chosen by the local representative of the collective bargaining unit if the teachers are covered by the unit. Mm -hmm. It does not say they have to be unit members. It just says that the unit would appoint them. Select so yeah. them or appoint them. Choose them.
0: Choose them. Teachers them and chosen by the union. Point. Okay. Well, that one se- that seems like a fairly easy part of this law.
2: I think it is. And, and that
0: was confusing. It is. I know, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's the easy part. Yeah. So that goes into effect, like we said. Um, that's already in effect, September 19th, 2019. Mm-hmm. This is the interesting part because there are multiple elements to this rule and or law, and each part falls into a different timeline. Yeah, yeah this was this is a weird
1: <laughs> one because it, cause it did that. And we're gonna get to the next part of this, which has thrown a lot of people for a loop mm-hmm. um, because there's a, there's a lot of confusion. I've seen a lot of things out there that are just pushing some information. It, it, misinformation, in my opinion. Um, it's all about student growth. Mm-hmm. So what this bill did is it removed the, the significant factor language. Yes. Um, for those of you UPEPG uh, wonks like myself, uh, you remember that the significant factor. It, it was it was that thing where everyone was just debating of what kind of percentage it had to be in order to count. And was it 20 percent? Was it 15 percent? Was 12 percent enough? Was do you do 40 percent of student growth be evaluated? You know, I know at least one district I know of did that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <laughs> So it removed that language, and then it makes all student growth measures optional in an educator effectiveness plan, both the SLO, the student learning objective, and the state assessment scores. That's correct. Okay. So we're all on the same page. When does this go into effect?
2: So that goes into effect September 1, 2021.
1: Okay. That is two years from now.
2: That is correct.
1: Awesome. So... (laughs) so so wait a minute so there's all there's all this hullabaloo Mm -hmm. going on out there about all these plans are going to be losing their slo's and not using the state data assessment data in their educator effectiveness plans but but but, what what do they do now do do they do they keep it in do they transition it out do they what do they do
2: so that's a great question and that's Multiple of the calls I get a day are on this. Um, and so I would start by saying, now is a great time for steering committees to start discussing what they want to do. Um, do we want to keep student learning and growth? Do we see value in that, but it's too difficult to fit into the mold, the, the, the thing that we already had in the student learning objective framework? Um, do we want to choose another measure? So having those conversations right now is a great idea. Um, A lot of the districts I'm working with are really looking at a transition plan, and I think that is probably the best way to go with this, because many people are on different cycles. And so the idea would be if someone, and this does specify summative effectiveness rating um, for the 2021, so if someone was evaluated and their cycle fell after that date, it would make sense that when their new cycle starts again, if you choose not to use it, that the plan would be in place, so they would be evaluated for that three years under a specific model, um, whatever the steering committee decides. So I think while it's two years out, there are a lot of working parts here. Sure. Um, So I would say the best advice I can have is sit down with the steering committee, which is now composed of the majority teachers appointed by, segwaying back, um, talk about what's working, what's not working, really take some time to reflect on the past few years. And try to find ways to streamline and support educators, but based on what the school wants to do, the district wants to do. Um, And then look at how that transition will happen. Whether, and there is great value in the use of data and student learning, has been wonderful in moving the needle forward in many schools. So I think that's a conversation steering committees would need to have. um, And I think it's going to be a tough conversation, but a really important one to have sooner rather than later.
1: It sounds to me in a lot of ways that a lot of these bills are trying to focus the evaluation process less on evaluation but more on the reflectiveness and more on the growth yes. which i think is the entire what i believe is the entire purpose of doing it mm-hmm. um we've set that up in our district as a way it means of being growth focused and um it's a struggle because when you put the word evaluation in there and you put a score onto it people all of a sudden they, they get their shackles up and they want to get the good grade and
2: mm. they want
1: to get all that. They, they, they want to get these things instead of saying, well, hang on, let's, let's, let's focus on improvement and effectiveness. Can, can we eliminate some of these external factors?
0: Right.
2: And I think in a way, um, whether it's removed or not, the conversation we had at the conceptual conversation in August was around the growth, but also streamlining and having it become a more manageable system because especially in the beginning as someone who helped create a PEPG system for our district for our school we really felt like we were whether I want to say or not copy and pasting and doing just what we needed to do to get our plan approved. Um, Now there is some time and it's a great opportunity to look at those plans and try to figure out how to move forward. Um, We're excited that districts will have more flexibility and I think that's something that Um, For a while, the model was very prescribed. So it'll be interesting to see the innovative things that maybe are used as multiple measures and to have those conversations.
0: Yeah, I I remember in the district I used to work for, a lot of the conversation was about the different percentages you allotted to things and then doing the math, trying to figure out how you pass or where you hit the the barrier from effective to not effective. And it was all about (laughs) it was all about the math and it wasn't about, as Matt just said, about the reflection part or, or any yeah. f- like the real purpose for mm-hmm. evaluation. Um, so I, I, I do think this is gonna be a lot better. Yes. And as you were talking, I was trying to think of the transition now that I'm in a new district of what yeah. this looks like. Yeah. And I think that gives people an opportunity that it's not immediately changed. Now you have to come up with some multiple measures right now for your teachers that are in a cycle right now. Mm-hmm. So even though it's two years away, which is super weird, but it gives people <laughs> a lot of time to figure out what do we want to do. Right. And I I don't think that's a bad thing. Although I, yeah. I think people are going to figure it out this year and ready for next,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then and then go with it, I guess. But knowing that the law is still, uh, you know, it's a long time from now. It's, it's a <laughs> year, yes. yeah. And I, I
1: I fully would expect some districts to also do a thing where they um they might create a plan and set it up, but they don't necessarily, they're not going to start it until 2022 because they might just say, we we need to build this in and we need, we want to make sure that we're, you know, we can keep, we're going to keep our plan as it is, but we want to just take this year now to build it, establish the plan. So then our three-year professional teacher, when they get into that third year, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily just going to be, you know, caught into a new system two-thirds of the way through their evaluation
0: system and i think that'd be fine right because since since the new thing says well the new one is less restrictive it can include these so you're not even if you have these these student growth measures or state assessment results even though they're in there it doesn't restrict them not being in there which i know was i think some of the discussion last year was like eliminate it or keep it Mm -hmm. and this is the uh, you can do whatever you feel like doing. It's it's you it's, so it's you make right. the choice. So I think having that transition, as you just said, going over a few years trying to figure out what makes sense for all your teachers that are actually in that system is not a bad thing. You're actually trying to think proactively about, is this going to hurt one of our teachers? Is it, what's going to happen with the people that are in the system? Because as we talk about trying to figure it out, there's a system that's already in place right now. And now we're making adjustments to it, which does affect the teachers that are on the ground right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless the other option is that
2: September tw- uh,
1: 2021, everyone starts new. Everyone's on a new cycle. Everyone's on the same cycle, which I'm sure that our evaluators and our admin would really appreciate
0: having to evaluate okay. everyone. I think they ju- just drove off the road. I think they probably did. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're on their way. They, they, they pulled the red fox out. The big one, Elizabeth!
1: <laughs> They,
0: they were going. They were going 110. They were going 110 up to Fort Kent right there, and you just put them off the road.
1: Yeah. Well, they started in. They started
0: in Kittery and they're going 110. So
1: by now they're in Biddeford. Fair.
0: It could be. I don't know. So, they
1: might
2: uh, get here by the time we finish. It'll be in Augusta.
0: They might. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, we are in the cross building. Man. We we are right now. I, I wonder we, we, if, we'll, if they'll let us out. I don't know. We might have to make a field trip. Anybody knows we are (laughs) here. Almost definitely. We might have to make a field trip. Say it. Down at the Cross Cafe. Yes, we are. (laughs) Uh, They have have good coffee there. And? And They have chips. They do have chips. They got really good chips down there. We might take pictures of the chips. They better have chips Wouldn't be the first time that's been done on this podcast. (laughs) That's true. All right, so when we we talk about 92, is there anything else in there that was a change?
2: There was. a new piece of language that was written in that talks about any decisions made by the committee much, must be reached by consensus, mm-hmm. and the law does not specify what consensus means.
0: Seems confusing. So
2: it's a little confusing. Um, in conversations with the administration, here we really think that's a local decision, how whatever way the committee has been using consensus is what we would want. To come up with another definition or description, I think would be more than you know. Yeah. It'd be more prescriptive than we want much, it to right? be. Yeah. So I think the committee would make that decision of what consensus looks like before they start and continue doing it that way. Whether it's a thumbs up, thumbs down, so I can live with it. That's
1: that's what my district decided last spring when we we went we saw this coming. We said let's get our consent. Let's just define okay, it yes. now. Yes. So that when this comes into play, we are we don't have to deal with it. And we did exactly that. Thumbs up, yes. Thumbs sideways, I, I, I can live with it. Thumbs down, I can't live with it. We need to keep talking about this. Mm-hmm. And anyone at any point in the process, administrator or teacher, can do a thumbs down to stop the process, to we, we keep talking about it, and that's
0: really important. Absolutely. That sounds good. That sounds good. Okay.
2: So in terms of what the department... Does need to do. I think it's important to clarify that we did have a conceptual conversation in August where we brought together um, about 25 stakeholders. It was a great group. We've received a lot of feedback in terms of, you know, wanting local districts to have flexibility those pieces and to keep the rule as clean as possible without adding more to it. So we do have a drafted rule that will go to um, internally here for everyone to review. Then it will be posted for a public comment. We will have a public hearing around rule chapter 180. And then from there, any feedback we get from the public comment period and from the testimony that we receive, we would use review, make feedback, respond to it. And then the rule would be submitted for provisional adoption come January of this 2020 year. Well, you got a lot to do. We do. I'm busy lady. So
0: here's a question for you there, Emily. Yeah. The public hearing that you just said, that initial public hearing, mm-hmm. would take place before the legislation session starts?
2: It would take place October. I believe it's mid-October. Okay. So it would take place. It's more through the department, not through the Education and Cultural Affairs yep. Committee. So it happened right here in the cross-building okay. um, before the rule goes to the legislative gotcha. committee okay. um, to review. So. It's a department rule, we would follow that process.
0: So everyone be on the lookout for that when that comes out uh, fairly soon since it's mid-September right now.
1: Yeah, yes. I'm sure when we, when we get that information, get the dates, we can just send it out via our social media accounts.
0: We'll blast it out. That sounds like a great idea, Matt.
2: We are aiming to do an afternoon, so about a two o'clock, so that people have a chance to get here if they're able to, um, but we would also definitely accept any comments that are written, so.
0: Okay. Okay, that sounds really good. Yeah. Does that wrap up our PEPG
2: is there update? Any, is there
1: any, any other points of clarification or other things that you want to say to the masses, the Faithful Whoa. 17 listeners?
2: The Faithful 17, I think I may be one of them. So. <laughs> 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 you two may be the others. Um, I. No, we just
1: download them. I yeah.
2: I think I just want to, anyone who is listening who's been living this for the past seven years, thank you for all of the work you've done and for the feedback you've given us. Um, I think originally the rule there was some fear around this rule and I think Mm -hmm. we are moving in a positive direction and the hope would be that the plans continue to really be about improving um, teaching and learning for our students and that conversation is just so critical and so thank you to everyone who's been living this for seven years and still showing up to those committee meetings because it's hard work but it's really important work.
0: That is, sounds like a great place to end. Emily, thank you for taking the <laughs> time with Thank you very us. much. Thank you, <laughs> Matt. You can also find us on social media. Where? Well,
1: on Twitter, you can find us at Maine Ed Matters, and on so uh, on social media, on uh, Facebook. That's the one, the Book of Face. The Book of Face. Uh, you can find us Facebook.com/slash/Maine Education Matters. Uh, of course, on both of those pages, we have pinned our detailed spreadsheet of the bills, um, bills that have been passed, bills that have been killed and bills that are still yet to be determined. Um, we'll be having another pod soon coming up about those very, very bills, about mm-hmm. what's been carried over. But that's where you can find us on the social media places. And if you're listening to this and you can go on to iTunes, um, give us a rate and review. We'd really appreciate it.
0: I guess that wraps it up. Again, thank you, Emily. Thank, thank you, you, Emily, so for much.